0: On Wednesday night, as we continue with the subject from here to eternity, we're dealing with the second of the five crowns that awaits the believer when they get to glory. Five crowns for the believers. We dealt with the first one last Wednesday night, and this is number two. These crowns have to be earned. They have to be won. They have to be deserved. The rewards and their prizes, they are not gifts. God has already gifted us, which has cost us absolutely nothing like our salvation. But he expects us to use those gifts And it's the utilising of those gifts and our service and our work down here from the day we got saved will give us the words that we deserve when we get to glory. We're dealing with the crown of rejoicing on Wednesday night. And within the ambit of that uh, teaching of that crown, we'll be answering the following questions. Do we go immediately to heaven when we die? The answer, of course, is yes. And we have many scriptures for that. And the Lord Jesus said to the thief, Today shalt be with me in paradise. Well, the day was well spent, for it was three o'clock in the afternoon or near it, when he said that to him. There wasn't much of the day left. So we certainly will, according to scriptures in that, knocks out a whole lot of erroneous teaching about purgatory and all the rest. Will we know one another in heaven? Well, the Bible tells us, yes, we will, without a doubt. And I'm sure you're looking forward to seeing your child or seeing your wife or your husband or whoever that may be. But we shall know one another in heaven. And there's many scriptures to prove that as well. Will there be tears in heaven? Yes, there will. As it says, the Lord shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. But remember, we weep for various reasons. We don't only weep because we're hurt or wounded, but we weep often because of joy. So there's many reasons why people weep, and there will be tears in heaven, and the Lord will wipe them Away, and when the Lord wipes them away, they'll be well wiped out. Will there be rejoicing in heaven? That's what heaven will be all about. It will be rejoicing. We will be rejoicing, irrespective of our rewards, or else we will still be rejoicing in the Lord. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. We'll be singing praises unto him. You want the answer to some of these questions and you know about this second crown, bring your Bible, come along on Wednesday night and if you can't stay for prayer, you'll be very welcome. We're turning now to 1 Kings chapter 17, please. 1 Kings chapter 17 and many when we're turning to that chapter would know that Oh, you should know most of you that this is the story of the life of the prophet Elijah. I want you to open your Bible, please. At first Kings chapter seventeen and give me your attention. The first three years of the life and ministry of the great prophet Elijah, arrays itself around three very everyday familiar things. The Bible is very graphic with familiar things that we see and know day by day. The first one was the brook to where he was led. The brook, I want to get these into your head now, the brook to where he was led. Go eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, was the word of the Lord. Secondly, there was the birds by whom he was fed. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Thirdly, there was the barrel which had been rationed. The widow said, there's just a handful of meals. She wouldn't have had a very big hand. It was a famine on. She says, I have just a handful of meal in a barrel. And fourthly, there's the boy that was raised the brook, the barrel, the boy, and the birds. What a story. This morning, we're going to look at the brook to where he was led, and the birds by whom he was fed. And next week, God willing, is Mother's Day. I haven't forgot you mothers. And next week we'll be looking at the ration barrel and the raised boy. What a challenging situation this woman faced, as many of you face, especially those who are widows in their families. See, so often... In Bible characters, we go for the big ones. And we miss the ones behind the scenes, the lesser ones. Behind the scenes ministry is so important to the work of any church. And we saw it in operation last night. Men and women behind the scenes working away here to facilitate 130 or 40 or 50 young people cooking and showing them to their seats and nobody paying much attention to them but they were all fed and they were all watered and they were all home safe and the place was locked up. Everybody behind the scenes. We don't really appreciate the behind the scenes ministry that goes on in this church or any other church. I have some powerful lessons for you next Sunday morning regarding this woman of Sarathat. She was a gem. She was a light in a dark place. She provided for one of the greatest prophets of God that ever was—food and water and shelter. I would safely say there would have be been no caramel without her. There would be no revival without her. There would be no blessing without her. So you just go on playing your part behind the scenes, and when it comes to the glory. The crowns will not all come to the pulpits, that's for sure. You give a cup of cold water in my name. So use your gift and keep going. Don't be looking for recognition. And if you want to get onto the pulpit, don't be looking for recognition, but you'll not get it here. But you'll get it in the glory. And that's all that's needed. Let's look at the brook to where he was led. To where he was led. Let me say this first of all. Elijah appeared suddenly in the darkest hour in the history of Israel for 58 years. In almost six decades from the death of Solomon, the nation never sank into an abyss of idolatry, immorality, and wickedness as it did in those years. Seven kings reigned over the ten tribes. And when we come to First Kings 17, we have the worst of them all, Ahab and Jezebel. It says in 16 and verse 30 of the chapter, Before it says that they did evil in the sight of the Lord above all the rest of them. Well, cometh the hour, cometh the man. And God has his man for the hour. And he had a man, he was rugged, he was rough. He was hairy, he was untutored, he was unlettered, and he was unlearned. He was a prophet away up from the hills of Gilead. He couldn't get any backward a place. It was away in the range of Gedara. There were stone houses and goats and bears and lions and serpents. It was a place called Sisbe, primitive to no end, came this mighty prophet. Of God and he came down to the palace of these wicked men this wicked man and woman and once he flung his challenge towards them the word of God came to him and we're chapter 17 and verse 1 once he flung the fierce challenge to Jezebel and king that the Lord had given a message burning with zeal and fire in his soul he couldn't stick it any longer And we read in chapter 17 and verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite and the Holy Spirit puts that in so if you want to trace it up you mightn't even find it on a map. Who was of the inhabitants of Gilead said unto Ahab as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. He wasn't standing in their presence. He wasn't standing in the presence of men. This man came out of the secret place, and he was standing in the presence of God. And we need to be standing in God's presence and no fear of men about us in this last day and hour in which we live. In the presence of God whom I stand, there shall not be June or rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Now get thee hence and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, the butcher and the baker came to him. Morning and evening they brought him bread, and the flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land and the word of the Lord came unto him saying again. We'll end the reading there and God will bless the public reading of his word. This mighty word stands out here, the Lord God of Israel that liveth before whom I stand. Any man or woman who stands in the presence of God can only come there by three reasons. I want you to get this into your heart this morning. First of all, he'll come there by faith. This man's coming by faith, although he's not in Hebrews 11, he's a mighty man of faith. You see, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And when this man left those mountain barren stone houses away up on the why of Noah, when he came down, there's one thing he did, and he believed the word of God? Because, you see, the word of God told him, and he knew the word of God. The word of God told him, if if, a, if, if I bring judgment on the land, I'll bring it with a famine. And my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. God told him, he knew that. And he's coming down with faith in the word of God because the judgment of God has Brought the famine upon the land, and God says, If my people will call by my name, I will hear. And so, this man of prayer, and he was a mighty man of prayer, he came down and he came by faith. Secondly, he came with hope. We need to get our hope built up in these days. Hope maketh not ashamed. May God give us hope to believe that what God says, He will do it. And the next one was love. You may think that this man had no love by his carrying on, but I tell you, the heart of the rugged men and the rough men sometimes on the pulpits are the most loving people of all. You learn that down through history of men that were used of God. This man had a love for his nation. He had a love for the souls of people that were dying of starvation and the wear. He had a love for the wee babies that were burnt on the altar by Jezebel, the wicked woman. He had a love for the nation, he had a love for souls, and he had a love for the people. Faith, hope, and love. Paul says the greatest of these is love. Now then we have this very wonderful thing, uh, that statement in it, that the voice of God came to him. And you have those credentials, you'll you'll be able to discern the voice of God. See, we don't discern the voice of God today. If I were to sit down beside you this morning and ask you, did you hear the Lord speaking to you during the week? I would doubt it many if you were in that close contact with God. We should be able to hear the voice of God. And every time he heard the voice of God, and you read this through in your own time, he just obeyed it. He never argued. He never talked about it. He never said, I'm not going. And says in verse 5, so we went. It says in verse 10, so he arose and went. It says in chapter 18 and verse 1, so he arose and went. He was into intimate fellowship with God that he could hear his voice and he could know when to go, when not to go, how long to stay and how long not to stay. Boy, what a way to live. Of course, if you're in the presence of God, that will be no problem. You see, he had intimate fellowship. Let me tell you why he had the intimate fellowship. He was, a, he was an intercession. He was a man of prayer. He prayed in men fell. He prayed in rain fell. He prayed. He was a man of separation. He, he lived a life of separation, Elijah. And he was a man of humiliation. These are the keys to revive him. If our province and our nation and our church is going to be revived, this is the caliber of people that will have to be around. In the past, when God moved on the nation of England and Britain, he moved through men of that very caliber, Wesley, Whitfield, way back in Cromwell's time, Gladstone, Knox in Scotland the Evanses and Wales, Willie Nicholson and Ireland, they were all men of intercession, they were all men of separation, they were all men of humiliation. I tell you, that's a recipe for the blessing of God. Now, I'm convinced that this man, Elijah, when he came down to deliver this message to Ahab and Jezebel, I believe he was expecting a fight. He was a man of fight, you know. I believe that he was expecting a showdown or a standoff. He certainly wasn't expecting to have to go away for 13 months and not open his gob. Maybe he was expecting the 7,000 high, high hidden prophets to come out and back him. And they take to in and turn this whole regime upside down. But God said no. That's not the way it's going to do now. He's hearing the voice of God and he knows what God wants him to do. You see, we don't hear the voice of God so often and we step out in our own way and we make a mess of things. God said to him, no, Elijah. This is not the time for the fire or the fight. Your soul may be vexed and his soul was vexed. His soul was grieved when he saw the nation that God loved and the people that he had blessed in times gone past and he saw them down as low as they could go, 58 years. God said, no, I want you to go to the brook, Cherith. That was not in his equation. 500 feet down into a valley, surrounded by trees and forests, walled by limestone banks. Go there, down into that uh, brook, and not to a river, mind you, it was a brook. Go there to the brook beside Jordan, which speaks of death, and stay there until I bring you words. Stay there. And that's the word that you need to put your ring round, and the ravens shall feed you there, not somewhere else. Go eastward. If it went north, south, or west, then no ravens would have come. And once we do, when God tells us to do, we'll get God's provision, we'll get God's protection, and we'll get God's blessing. But if we go out of his will, you don't expect it. But he does still bless. But he doesn't bless to the capacity that he would want to bless, and he doesn't use to the capacity that he wants to use. And some of you, maybe this morning, you're out of the will of God and you're not being blessed. You're long time saved and you don't know a thing about the will of God. I'm letting these things sink in this morning because the Lord whispered this word into my ear very early one morning. Go you down to the brute cherith and you stay there. You just sit there. What he's saying to Elijah is this. He said, It's not my time yet to smash this system. And we look at Ukraine tonight and we see the killing of those children, we see the killing of those women and the slaughter of those soldiers and those women crying. God has a time. And we may jump and we may shout and we may accuse God and all the rest, but God has a time. God works on a time scale. Although he is beyond time, he works in a time scale. It's not time for me to smash this thing yet. It's not my time to send the rain or the revival. It's not my time to take out this wicked, evil Jezebel who was the, who, who was the author of most of it. It's not my time yet, but her time will come. Wait thou on God and be still and know that I am God. You just still there. What an awesome place to be for 13 months. No texting. No iPads. No tablets. Just you stay alone with God. But Lord, look at what's going on around us. Lord, they're, they're burning children every day. They're sacrificing the wee ones every day, Lord. You just stay at I tell you to go. i look after the rest of it. Do you hear that this morning? My soul, wait thou only on God. Get down to the Jordan, the place, the side of the Jordan, the place of death. Sit still, sleep, rest and eat and do nothing. The battle's not yours, the battle's the Lord. Do you hear that this morning? You just turn about half mad. Just settle yourself. Just settle yourself. Oh, if only we could learn from Moses. He went out and he slew the Egyptian and buried them in the sand. It was the wrong move, it was the wrong man. It wasn't the slaying of the man that was going to release them from, from Egypt, it was the slaying of the lamb. Look at Abraham, moved too soon. Moses might have got the wrong man, Abraham got the wrong woman. It's not Hagarus, Sarah. Remember Peter, and he took the sword in the garden and he drew it out and he took the ear of the high priest's servant. It's not the servant's blood, Peter. It's the saviour's blood that's going to set men and women. Free. The first move was to cherish alone. And the second move was to serve in the home. And we have a lot to say about that next week because I tell you the way we perform in the home. You see, it's one thing coming from being alone with God and then way down there and praying and talking and obeying God and then just going to a home where there's a woman and a child. And that's when the test will be tried. God sees you in the home sir he sees the way you carry on to so we'll be into the home next week go to the chariot first alone and then go we're going to send you to the home he didn't expect that, I'll tell you this. If he, was cumuli- if he was humiliated going down to be fed by the worst, dirtiest bird that God ever created, if he was humiliated there, he's going to be humiliated with this woman. But you see, that's the part of God's plan, bringing us down before he can raise us up. He's not ready for Carmel yet. He has a way bit to go yet. He has another couple of years to go yet before God has him ready for Carmel. Oh, but look at what's going on. It doesn't matter what's going on. What lessons will you learn next week? Now, let me apply a wee bit of this this morning. What God said to Elijah, he's saying to you this morning, and those that are listening to me, wherever you would be this morning, he's saying to you, flee, you run, and hide, and separate yourself. Have nothing to do with this crowd. He took him away from this crowd. He wouldn't even allow a widow in Israel to feed him. But Jesus talked about this, and Jesus said, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, but he sent him across the border, over to Zarephath, to an ungodly heathen woman. I tell you, my friend, when the favor of God leaves a nation, when the favor of God leaves a nation and the favor of God leaves a church and leaves a people, the judgment of God will come on it. He wouldn't even allow him to go into a woman in Israel. I tell you, Oh, the prophet was the same as the spirit today. When the prophet was taken out, God took his people out. Before that war in Ukraine started, He took the ambas- they took the ambassadors out. They'll take the ambassadors out. They'll take their people out before the war begins. That's what God does. And he left them to it. And when the Holy Spirit is taken away from a church and taken away from a province, as I believe that it's taken away from this one, The judgment of God is on it. He took him out. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, and from such turn away. Can I say this, and this is going to be rough now? Can I say to those this morning that are listening to me here or anywhere else if you're subscribing to one of these apostate, ecumenical, commandment-breaking, blood-hating, Sodom-supporting, abortion-agreeing churches from such, turn away, flee from it. Seek out a charis somewhere. For yourself and your family to hide. In Psalm 84, it tells us that swallow, the swallow has more sense, you know. The swallow has more sense than God's people. The swallow has has found a place for himself in the altars where he givingeth up his young. You find a place where God is blessing. You find a place where the truth is strong and you get your children into it. Bring up your young in the midst of truth not in lies and deceit that's going on around us everywhere we go. This man had to travel a hundred mile across to cross the border to get into refuge. And I thank God for Joel there this morning. He travels more to be here. He has to cross the border, but he establishes more to be here. I tell you, even you have to travel, and some of you travel a distance to hear the word of God. You keep traveling, and the Lord will, the Lord will supply your need. we're worrying about the fuel prices. God loves truth and he wants truth and he wants you to have truth. I come across this wee word the other day in in Job. It says He wandereth abroad. Seeking bread in the day of darkness and he findeth none. Do you know why I'm getting calls and internet responses and and phone calls and texts from people saying, we're listening to the messages, we're listening to, to Stephen and yourself preaching the word. We never heard it. People are saying, I had a woman told me last night, there's a woman on from a certain place and she's so many years, maybe 30 years saved. She never heard about the Lord coming back. Never heard it preached. I'll tell you there'll be a judgment on the man or woman that wears a collar round his neck and he takes charge of a congregation if he doesn't preach the whole counsel of God to his people. He's a forger of lies and a physician of no value. And you run from as far as you can cut the corn from cut him out. Oh, you're rough this morning. Indeed, I'll be rougher. My friend, we're living in a day when apostasy is everywhere. We're living in a day when there needs to be separation, and God goes to the wind to separate his people. Have nothing to do with Jezebel and Abe. Have nothing to do with it. They're God's people. They're not God's people. They're in God's nation, and they have destroyed it. Oh, I tell you. How do you think Elijah felt when he walked in a famine? And the dead carcasses, mind you, before he came here, the famine was on three months. So he was 13 months at Cherith, and that's 13, 14, 16 months. And there's a mighty famine, one of the mightiest famine ever hit Israel. The cattle died and the people died. The very king was out looking for him. The whole countryside was out looking for him. What do you think he felt when he walked a hundred miles? He had to come right across one, one, end, one end of the land of Israel, one end of that part of the country, to the other end till he got to the border. How do you think he felt as he came through and he saw all the statues and the altars? How do you think he felt when he saw the schools of the prophets tumble down? How do you think he saw when he saw the offering where they burnt the children and the plates of the red hot and they put the sacrifices of the children in? What do you think he thought when he saw them? Do you think he sat down and had a burger? The man's fire is in the man's soul. He's tripping over dead carcasses and dead children and dead women. You read it. And there's a fire burning in his soul and said, Lord, how long? How long? How long, Lord? But did you just go to Saraphath, For I have commanded a widow woman to feed thee there. You couldn't have got a worse scenario. A widow woman. I tell you, if ever he was humiliated, he was humiliated when he come and he saw her coming out of the gate of the city with two sticks, cross. She says, I'm, I'm going to bring this in, I'm going to give it to my child and we're going to die. He says, give it to me. Give it to you. Now, a mother will, mother will support her child before she'll support herself. I'll Not go on any further with this, I'll have nothing to say next week. How do you think he felt? Every step was heavy, his eyes were red. Probably something like Paul as he waited at Ephesus and he saw the awful ungodliness. Maybe like Nehemiah when he heard about the walls, he sat down and he wept and he prayed and he fasted. Oh God. Where are the burdened people this morning? Where are the believers this morning that want love to spend the night fasting and praying? Where are we this morning that would travel away through the land God not allow him to do anything to go down into a widow? And this was under the very nose of Jezebel. This was Jezebel's father was the king of that land where the woman of Saraphath was. She wasn't a believer then, she was a Gentile, pagan woman. How humiliating. We're talking about revival. And our freezers are full and we're going out to eat. When the brook dried up, and the brook dried up, and he would have seen it drying up too. Every day he sat and he watched it. And the birds were coming and they were thinking at it. And dear knows what else was coming to think at that brook away down that valley. And it dried up. And the Lord never told them until it had dried up. Now we move on. Must have been an awful experience. And I, I, would, I would think that the thing that hurt him most wasn't himself. I would be thinking when he saw the brook drying up and going into the weed dirt and then drying up all together, what about the women and what about the children? If this is happening here in this brook, it's happening over the land because he had told them, God said three and a half years it'll be. What's it going to be like in another year? What's it going to be like in another year? God said once it dries up flee flee I have commanded boy he spoke into the ear of that that widow woman I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you there. Go to Saraphath. I don't know how long it took him going. And it was only the hand of God protecting him. For as I say, the very king was out looking for him. They were baiting the hedgerows and they were down in the valleys and they were looking everywhere for him. And he commanded the, the woman to feed. To feed him there. He was humiliated enough by the brook. Now before we move on from the brook next week. He was fed at the brook. He was fed at the brook by ravens morning and evening with bread and flesh. The dirty ravens. The filthy ravens is what they were referred to. Voracious vultures. The more rotten the meat, the more they enjoyed it. You see their descendants on the road after eating a bit of a cat or a rabbit on the road. The vulture. The Bible says they were unclean. The Jews were forbidden to eat. In fact, the name they called them was detestable. Eleven times you'll get the word raven in the Bible. They were the most unclean bird, and they were the most unattractive bird. And the most unlikely bird to carry food for ed- edible for human consumption. it wasn't the pigeon it wasn't the sparrow There wouldn't have been able to supply his need the most unlikely the chances of spotting a raven in a famine wouldn't have been in the minds of any man or woman This was a perfect, perfect bird to supply his need. They were having a heyday. The first time you know about the raven it was when he was the first bird mentioned in the Bible. He was let out of the ark. When Noah let him out of the ark he never came back. When he let the dove out the dove came back. The raven never came back. What did he do? He was in his heyday with carcasses, dead animals, dead people. He feasted and he got onto a carcass of a beast and he laid there and he ate and he ate and he slept and he ate. He was a dirty bird. But I tell you, don't you ever get surprised at what God uses. Don't you ever marvel, my friend, that God's ways are way beyond our ways. There's no bird watchers for the ravens. To see ravens going through the sky and a salmon would have been a normal thing, would have been the thing they would have known right well. When God hides a man, he hides a man. He says go hide thyself and then he said go show thyself. I often says if we would hide ourselves before we show ourselves we wouldn't make a show of ourselves. And here cometh the butcher and the baker morning and evening. With bread and flesh. Meat and bread. God knows how to feed a man. Bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh. He didn't say, no no, 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 Elijah, you need to put a mask on when these bird ravens come near you, they might smit you with something. You need to put a, put a glove on, and before you lift it, no, no. God knows how to feed a man and where to feed a man, and he knows what a man needs. And he knows how to do it. And let me tell you this, he never once argued with it. You will be done, Lord. You see, this man, I say again, he's a candidate for revival. Don't you dictate to God what way he feeds you or leads you or guides you. David said, I was young and now I'm old. and never saw my seed begging bread. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there and there they were morning and evening as faithful and as round as the shining sun and the water in the brook. And once the water dried up, I'm going to send you on now. Boy, it's wonderful to hear the voice of God whispering in your ear. walking out by faith. You trust him now. Some of you are getting it tight with fuel and all sorts of things. You just trust the Lord. He'll feed you there. He'll keep you there. God's never at a loss. You see, he is the power over all flesh. The flesh of birds, the flesh of beasts, the flesh of fish, Paul tells. It. He could say to Peter, go down to the Galilee there and there'll come and fish up and there'll be a piece of tribute money in his mouth. He could speak to the beast and Balaam's uncle and he says, speak to that man. And spoke he did. He's not at a loss. Power over beasts. Power over birds. Power over fish. And all his creation. He can use them when he likes and when he likes. I close with these illustrations. And I want you this morning to learn from this. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. David Brainerd, 29, he died spitting spits of blood and bones out into the snow amongst the digit of Indians in America. He wouldn't come home. And the big snow fair come he called up into the middle of a tree trunk. And every day the squirrel came and dropped the nuts on his feet. Of course he nuts and the squirrel or the raven. If we can feed ourselves. He'll not send you money if you have money stashed away somewhere. Don't be asking for money now. I read this story yesterday. One of the greatest snows that ever hit the highlands of Scotland over a hundred years ago. There was a widowed Jenny and she lived on her own away in a barren, remote part of the land. And this snow was unrelentless, it kept coming and kept coming until the mountains were levelled with they wouldn't have known where they were. And after a while when they got straightened out in the wee village down there, someone said, Well, what about Jenny? So they had it off with all shovels and all sorts of things and they couldn't see the house. All they could see was smoke coming out of the snow. And they climbed up to where the smoke was, and the first thing that they seen was a fox came out of the chimney. And they shouted down, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How did you survive? Well, I got the water from the snow. had firewood in the house. And that fox, she says, every day brought me part of a rabbit. What he ate, Himself, he left for her the rest. She washed it and she ate it. Now God can command the fox and he can command the raven and he can command the fish and he can command the donkey and he can command the rooster to crow. God is your God and he's my God this morning. And don't you ever forget it. And go from here rejoicing that we have such a God. Such a God. The brook and the birds. The barl and the boy. Will come next week. God bless you.